to another episode of the Last Ones In podcast, where being late to the party isn't a bad thing. I am your host, Dry Archuleta, and with me today we have E. Hello. And for the first time ever, Dion. It is I. He's not been on the podcast before, but he is definitely a friend of the show. If you've been listening for a while or following any of the social media or whatever, you probably have seen his art. He did all of the art for our February Anti Love Month. Yes, yes. Yeah, that stuff was really amazing. Hopefully, this uh, this next year we can get some more art from him for another theme month. Yep, that'll that be great. We'll that, do that. Yeah, that sounds awesome. But today, the movie that we will be taking a look at, since it is October and we're doing all horror movies this month, is The Thing, John Carpenter, 1982. Right away, I have to say, I, of course, have seen this movie quite a bit. Love horror. Uh, Dion? I've seen this movie probably twice. Also, love horror, love sci-fi, put them together, even better. Yeah. And uh, E, unsurprisingly... <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> ...has not seen this film. Uh, but before we really start talking about that, E, you weren't right. on last week's episode. That we watched correct. The Cell, Yeah, uh, which I think is a good call to not have you on that episode. Mm. You would not have finished that movie. I would have just puked immediately. Yeah, well, no, uh, it's not definitely not your style of movie. <laughs> and uh, there's one scene you would not have liked at all. Okay. But yeah, what's been going on? Uh, a lot of school work, because college is getting into the busy, um, working on a game for one of my classes. I'm quite enjoying that. Are you still working on the pizza thing, or is that just done? That's uh, connected to the game. It's uh, multiple foods. Uh, this week, <laughs> I'm working on cereal. Oh, cr- great. <laughs> <laughs> to put in a game? Yeah, you have to make the cereal uh, and make the pizza so it's overcooked. <laughs> No, it's it's first person. Undercooked? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's that. Um, playing games, I got Fall Guys, and I've been playing with Dion, actually. Yeah, that's a banger. Oh, nice. What do you think? The most fun ever. <laughs> it's it's really fun. Definitely my kind of game. Very pick up and play. Your and, version of a Battle Royale? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I should have did it. Well, I, there's no way I could do the netcode that thing. <laughs> uh, there's that, and... Uh, other than uh, Rivals of Aether, a game that I really enjoy, has finally gotten its uh, definitive edition, which is basically the finalized version of it. So I've been playing that, and that's been awesome. That just basically mean they're not going to put more characters in and whatnot? Well, we already knew they weren't going to add more characters for a while, but oh. it's mostly like they're saying, like, all right, guys, this is the end. We're going to be loosely following this, but after a while, we're just not going to be keeping up with anything else and they added a bunch of cool features to it like a tetherball a thing every fighting game needs of course yeah of course <laughs> why wouldn't you Pivotal. want that <laughs> Pivotal to the fighting game. Yes. But yeah that that's been a lot of fun and that's mostly it for me cool um i'm not gonna ask what's been going on in your life d because this is the first time because you don't care about me no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I will ask uh, a few uh, probing questions, I guess, here, though. Okay, okay. Uh, what Where would w- you like it? What? No, no, <laughs> d- not that kind of probe. <laughs> Softly? <laughs> uh, what would you say, uh, besides horror, obviously, is mm-hmm. kind of your kind of movie? Like, what's your taste in movies? Mm, I love a good, like, psychological thriller. All right. That's always a banger. Would Seven B consider horror? Yeah, kind of. I would kind it's of consider that horror. It's I, like noir horror. Yeah, I like everything. Uh, I like dark undertones always in movies. Um, also fantasy, probably. I really love some like, you know, Harry Potter, Never Ending Story, 
Um, I'm pretty open to most movies. Rom-com's probably the last on there. You know, it's not my <laughs> that's favorite. That's kind of... Yeah, that's <laughs> sort of everyone's consensus on the yeah. podcast, so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, pretty open for the most part, but love things with fantastical elements or dark undertones. It's kind of or what both. I or both, yeah. Oh. Um, so Mononoke, yeah, definitely <laughs> anime. That's like top tier for me. Animation, a lot of animation is what I watch and I'm into because I'm a nerd. So <laughs> I like weeb things, I guess. I mean, you're on this <laughs> podcast, so you're welcome here. <laughs> cool. So I did ask a couple episodes ago a question that Robbie and E were definitely not ready for. No. I did not prep them for that at all. This time I did do that a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I have a couple questions. I'm going to start with D here. Have you ever had any kind of supernatural experiences that you can't quite explain? So one time, and it could just be me seeing things, (laughs) you know. (laughs) When I was younger, when we first moved to Colorado Springs and we got uh the house for the first time and we just moved in right i was probably in like fifth grade so young or so so young yeah and one time i came out of would have been my room to go out to the living room area and i looked over until we had this like it was like an exercise room kind of we used it for mm-hmm. um and i looked over in there and i the door was open and i swear there was just like a like a little head like poking out of this corner looking at me <laughs> and i ran to the couch and just threw the blankets over me and just stayed like that until morning. Because <laughs> everybody knows when you're a kid, yeah, if you well, put a blanket over you, the monsters can't get you now. They yeah. can't get you under there. <laughs> they don't like fluffy things. Yeah. So. Cotton is their biggest enemy. But that's probably the only thing I could say that I, it could be supernatural. Probably wasn't. Probably was just tired. <laughs> and there's just like a shadow. But okay, I thought it was a ghost. Um, E, have you ever had any supernatural experiences? Um. Very similar where it's just young, and also, conveniently, when we just moved into that house. So there was just obviously a child living there you guys didn't know about. There was a ghost there, so that's what I just learned. So, like, uh, there was a friend who was, like, really into ghost shows, Mm -hmm. so we decided to do one of those in the exercise room. And like, was this the same day where somebody just ran off and hid under a blanket in the couch? (laughs) No. (laughs) But... Like, no one was home, so we just, like, sat there in complete silence. And it's probably because we sat there in complete silence, but you, like, hear everything. Yeah, and you, air, like, yeah. it just sounds like people are talking. So. Okay, okay. I don't think our house was built any over any Indian burial grounds, last I checked, but I no. can't prove that. There was a lizard. Yeah, that is in true. In the basement, so. But that will pretty that's sure pretty that's telling. Native American. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as for me, I do, I have one of those. Um, it was with Rocky, who was on the show quite often, and, uh, I'm not going to use the names of the town or the name that everybody called the house, uh, because illegal activities happened, (laughs) (laughs) but there was this one haunted house in our hometown that was well known to be fairly haunted. It was a small place too. It was probably smaller than this apartment, honestly, but it was... Very, very haunted. Everybody was like, yeah, you can't go to the blah, blah, blah house. I'm, I can't say the name. <laughs> um, the Nebracracker's house. <laughs> yeah, the Nebracracker house. <laughs> um, and so, obviously, we decided we had to go to the house. And me and Rocky and a few other friends were walking around the house one day, looking into windows, trying to see if we could see anything. Most of them were boarded up or, like, covered in plastic. And while we were doing that, the owners came up because they bought a house next to that house so they could keep track of the house apparently i guess and they just like came out like hey what are you doing 
Anyway, don't go in there, but also very haunted. Look at all these pictures we've taken from the windows. Hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you could see, like, sort of figures and sort of shadows, and maybe somebody pressed their face up against glass once upon a time there. Like, well, this is clearly ghosts here. Right, right. Yeah, obviously. What yeah. are the other conclusions? There's no other explanation. Not a single one. So, me and Rocky uh, had to get to the bottom of this. So, one night, a few weeks later, around 10 o'clock at night, we got a few snacks and sleeping bags, and we are like, we're staying the entire night in this house. Okay. <laughs> so, we broke into the house. Did you dress up like Ghostbusters? Uh, no, but we had hats. Mm, that's kind of similar. Basically. Uh-huh. That's the outfit. <laughs> <laughs> the one part that the Ghostbusters don't wear. Yeah. <laughs> well, now that you mention it. So, no, not like the Ghostbusters at all, actually. <laughs> and so, we broke in through this, like, kitchen window. Like actually broke the window, or was it, it like was already boards? broken? But oh, okay. we entered unannounced. Okay, I guess is so, a nice way to say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> trespass. That's the official word. You didn't ask the ghost but for for ghost investigation. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, it, that's how it works. It's warranted. Yeah, yeah. Of course, we were very justified in our actions. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was a very small house, so it didn't take long to explore everything. It's like six or seven rooms that are all bunched up together. There's like four walls in the entire place, and no doors. And it smelt terrible in there because apparently they just like abandoned the house one day. It's like, okay, we're done with this. And they like left food in the fridge and there rats. Mm, We didn't see any rats, but there were signs of rats. Mm. Many droppings. Mm, Many droppings. (laughs) (laughs) Or ghost children droppings. Yeah, or that. (laughs) And so we got done exploring the house. We found like this weird, creepy black and white picture where like all the kids in it were frowning except for one kid who was smiling and staring directly at the camera. Very weird. Very well could have been. Uh, there was one room in the back of the house that was extremely cold, much colder than all the other rooms. But the part that was the scariest of all of it, and the thing that I actually can't explain to this day, uh, I just, I have no explanation for it, is we got to the kitchen, and we're like, okay, this is where we're going to sleep tonight, because we have to stay in here to see if anything happens. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> and so we got our sleeping bags, we were laying on the kitchen floor, and it was the middle of the night, and I could swear that I heard Rocky calling my name. So I wake up, I'm like, what do you want? He's like, what? N- nothing. You were, you were just calling my name. He's like, no, I, I wasn't. I was nudging you. Okay, what do you want? He's like, um, nothing, it's fine. <laughs> cool, cool, okay. <laughs> Good talk. So I went back to bed, and we woke up the next morning, and we're walking home, and... The police showed up because you were <laughs> trespassing. Not this time. <laughs> A different time, yes, but not this one. <laughs> um, and he starts telling me about, like, why he was nudging me to wake me up that night. And he turns out he felt something on his legs, like just a really heavy pressure. And he said he thought it was like a cat or something. So he was trying to nudge me to wake me up to like see if I could look down and see if it was an animal or not. So he didn't have to move. So like like a rabid cat or raccoon or what have you, it doesn't just attack. Mm -hmm. And when I woke up, apparently the pressure left his legs. So he was like, okay, nothing there. It moved or whatever, freaked out and it left. So he didn't bother telling me what it was. And he was like, so it was just kind of weird. Just felt like this animal was on me. Okay, cool. And that we thought that was it. Like months and months later, months pass, and eventually we're talking about it, and my dad happens to overhear it. He's like, "Oh wow, you went to that house? Like, yeah, like cool. And like, do you guys like know the stories about?" I was like, "No, not at all." Oh wow, that's cool. So he starts telling us the story, and apparently the big one is that there was a woman who lived there, and when she murdered her kids, she pulled them from the bottom of the bed down. To the toe of it, or the foot of the bed, I should say. The foot of the bed, and then she killed them, strangled them there, and then hid them under the bed. And so apparently if you stay the night in that house, and you feel pressure on your legs, and you look down, she pulls you away from where you're at and kills you. 
we had never ex- told the story of like what happened that night to anybody except for each other. Uh-huh. And so we're like, huh, that's weird. I guess we're never going there again. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> so we just kind of can't explain what happened because it was very strange. So Rocky almost died. Maybe. He, may, he might he might have almost died. <laughs> or there was like 100 rats laying on him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess my other question is, I'll start with E on this one. Okay. Um, you're not a horror person. We've been over that a lot on the podcast. Yeah. What would you say is the the thing that interests you in horror the most? Because you do keep trying horror out. I do. Um, so, being someone who's into like animation and Japanese and all that, uh, there is a manga artist named Junji Ito, and I definitely would say he's my biggest reason I really like to try to get into horror. Because mm-hmm. I love his stories, and I've shown you some of them, and some of it's too much for you. Yeah, and like some body <laughs> horror, I don't know, like. When there's a lot of eyes, I freak out. <laughs> there is a phobia for that. So yeah. a lot of body horror. It's weird. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, like, just his work really interests me because there's something about it that you just kind of don't get from a lot of media. Like, this, the unknown sense. It makes me very uncomfortable. Right. His that, stories. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, one thing, honestly, something I really love that... I think a lot of media is scared to do is just like ending on a dumb on like not a bad note, essentially like, mm-hmm. like I guess one of his works, snail uh, girl, snail girl is actually a good one. I'll do that. Uh, so the idea is like this girl's basically slowly transforming. Well, her tongue becomes a snail as, 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 they, one as that does. happens. Yeah. yeah. And like <laughs> the way that story ends is they give her a salt bath to just try to get rid of it. And when they try to get her out, there's no one there, and it just ends with the shot of the tree, and it's just her head, and the snail's, her head is the shell of the snail, essentially. So, like, there was a snail parasite inside of her. Basically, Basically, that's the idea. That's creepy. Yeah, but, like, there's something interesting (laughs) about that, that I think, especially American media, I think, doesn't like to go for a lot of times, because we kind of like the happy... Or bad endings, yeah. Yeah. I love a bad ending. Yeah, Americans don't like being sad. No, no. for some <laughs> weird reason. <laughs> Who doesn't love a good, depressing time? Yeah. yeah. I'd say definitely that. Alternatively, is just random internet stories, but I think those are just, like, less collective of a thing to really say this is what makes me like the idea of horror without right. actually being into it. Okay, okay. Dion. Yeah. What would you say is the thing that, like, got you into horror? The thing is, like, all right, I need to consume more of this now. Well, when I was little, I was really terrified because one time I caught some glimpses of the movie The Mummy. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and I was super little, so that was very scary right. when they had little bugs, like, crawling in their skin and stuff. <laughs> I was like, that's kind of, I don't like that. And then... I think what really got me into it, so that kind of introduced me, and I was like, that was freaky, but I was little. And then I saw probably Chucky for the first time. Classic. Child's Play. Still one of my favorites. He's probably my favorite horror movie villain monster. He has some nice, you know, witty sayings. and uh, Yeah, he's pretty good at that. He's just cool. He's a cool thing. But he, I always just liked him for some reason, and that kind of just made me delve into horror. Um, and I was like, well, if I like this probably like the other stuff so then i started watching like all the old friday the 13th halloween all those old classics and i was like this is super cool and then (laughs) especially like uh things that use practical effects 
and they yeah. do them well. That's one of my favorite things in horror. I think, I don't know what I was watching, but there's something in your brain that it can tell if something's real or if it's CGI. So the, when you use practical effects, I think they're almost better than CGI if they're done well, because it looks realer when right. things happen. Like, I would say like even if it's like a bad practical effect, Mm-hmm. Like you're still able to invest yourself in that little more. You're like, well, at least I know it's real. They're also dealing yeah. with this thing on set. Yeah, and the work, and as in like an artist, the work that goes behind those are very impressive to me. Um, yeah, insane amounts of time. Yeah, sometimes. It's super cool, and just the mechanisms how they set all that up. Yeah, but yeah, I think I've just been into horror like since I can remember, really. And I think it just started from seeing it when I was young, and then Child's Play kind of just brought me into the world, and then I've just never looked back. Always been a horror fan since then. Yeah, once you're in, you're just kind of in. Yeah, basically. Um, as for me, a, a very bad movie um, <laughs> is what kind of like cemented that I think I'm afraid of this thing, but I really need to investigate more. Mm. It's not my first horror movie, but it's the one that like, all right, this is, I got to keep watching these now, was Darkness Falls. Oh, the Tooth Fairy. Yeah. <laughs> and like at the time, I was horribly afraid of the dark. And so watching that movie to where it's just like this thing is like, if you're in the dark, you die. That's scary. Yeah, that one freaked me out as a kid, and that made me just think, like, I should watch way more of these movies now. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. I think I like not liking things. Yeah. Well, I guess um, with those out of the way, I should ask before I read the back of the box here, E, what I... do you think John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982 is about? Okay. I think there is a laboratory in Alaska. There is a group of, I'm going to guess, six scientists. Okay. And they're studying a a pink thing. <laughs> and as they study it, they're like, hang on, where's Phil? And then Phil's like, I'm right here. And they're like, okay, but it isn't Phil. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's my guess. That's basically that's <laughs> the whole plot. We yeah. didn't even need to watch yeah, it. Yeah, I guess that's the end of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> you got it first try. <laughs> yeah, all right, see you guys next week. Yeah. Yeah. Get a hold of us. Great. Uh, <laughs> my first episode, 10 minutes long. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Dion has seen it, so he doesn't get a guess, and I'm hosting, so I've obviously seen it and don't get a guess, which means it's time for the back of the box. Ooh. Uh, I also will say this is um, Scream Factory uh, 2016 re-release of it that was uh, taken from a 2K master, uh, and we'll be watching that version today. In the winter of 1982, a 12-man research team at a remote Antarctic research station discovers an alien buried in the snow for over 100,000 years. Soon unfrozen, the form-changing alien wreaks havoc, creates terror, and becomes one of them. So, I mean, besides the number of people, you kind of got it on the you nose. Know, I, mean, I think this is one of the cases I can literally say I was half right. I wonder why I thought six. That's weird. Well, that's a good horror number, to be fair. Yeah, that's true. true. It's one-third of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> One third of the beast. Yeah, one third of the beast. There we go. Um, just the bottom. Just, yeah. just his legs. He's only, he's only evil sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and before you ask E, this movie is rated R. That's it. There's not a reason. Right. And uh, 109 minutes. So actually fairly, fairly short, really. Which I think is good because I think most horror movies, when they run too long, they lose a lot of that fear. You, mm-hmm. Your body just gets used to it and it loses the adrenaline. So you it make just... a horror movie shoot for 40 minutes total. Honestly, some shorts can be really good. A lot better than full-length films. A short from Ari Aster that Dion showed me uh, last week, actually, 
one of the most shocking yeah. and freaky things. Very disturbing. <laughs> Very unsettling. But if the people watching would like to watch with us, do they have a way to? Yeah. <laughs> there is. If they want to do it with a subscription service, if they have Hulu plus um, Sling TV, Stars, or Amazon Prime, they can watch it on those. Uh, for rentals, it's uh, YouTube, Google Play, and Vudu for three ninety nine. All right. Well, let's get to it. All right. We'll be right. back here in a little bit with our non-spoilery takes on The Thing. And we are back from watching John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, let's dive right into first impressions here with E. Hello. What'd you think? It's really good. Oh, wow, okay. Okay, cool. I wasn't sure <laughs> how you were going to take this. Um, it's funny. So, that's not really spoiler. So, there's, actually, there's a lot of gore in this movie. It's extremely mm-hmm. gory. Yeah, yeah, but, like, it's funny because, like, I can't handle looking at, like, an open wound from, like, a knife. <laughs> but I'm completely fine watching the monster. Right, I noticed at mm-hmm. one point you looked away when characters were cutting their thumbs. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> but, but not then, like when a guy is getting his face eaten, and you're staring right at. Yeah, him. <laughs> so it's kind of fun. <laughs> um, it's just it's really interesting. I think even now it's really surprising to watch because like you think it would have a lot more tropes being from eighties. You said right, uh, eighty two, eighty two. Mm-hmm. So like from early eighties, you think it would have a lot of tropes, but no, it's actually really like intriguing and does a lot of stuff that even now i don't think hollywood well hollywood especially but like i don't think movies in general really like to do uh movies definitely didn't like to do it then and audiences definitely didn't want to watch it then well they're dumb well uh, uh <laughs> yeah well, we'll get wrong, more into man. that in the spoilers but yeah, yeah like it's just really interesting uh i have some issue like following who's who but that's probably just me no, no, that's not just you. There's no. a lot of characters. There's a that's lot true. going on in a very short period of time. And it's not ever like, hey, this is Jim. This is Jeff. Like, there's three or four characters you hear the name a lot. Yeah. But mm-hmm. most people you hear once or twice. And yeah. that's it. Like, there's a scene where they're supposed to all be there. And they're like, wait, where's Blair? And I'm like, I Ooh. guess someone's <laughs> missing. I don't I could, like, um. Right. I think that, like, honestly adds to it, having so many people. Because it makes mm-hmm. you confused. Which adds to, like, the... Oh wait, shit! There is somebody missing, right? And then, yeah. And what are they doing? Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's fair. And of course, just my general not being able to recognize faces, right? Because like, there's yeah, two brown-haired, white-bearded men, two black men, two. <laughs> there's like <laughs> pairs actually of a lot of the traits yeah, of characters. Pretty much, yeah. probably mm-hmm. intentional too. Yeah. But yeah, it's really good and really holds the test of time for sure. Yeah, it's uh even some of the effects that don't age super well still look pretty good honestly yeah like the only i think the first scene is the only thing i think just looks pretty bad the first scene like with a spaceship flying oh right right, right. the uh, intro scene yeah yeah <laughs> he called it a pizza i think is what he it turned into a pizza like when it started going into it's like oh that's well they did model after putting two pie crusts together mm. <laughs> well that might be so. well <laughs> but yeah like really good movie um i would definitely say Heck, I might say buy this, honestly. Wow. That's very, that, wow. That's very surprising. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a movie that would be pretty interesting to rewatch, honestly, I think, just to see if you could pick up little things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right, D. Uh, I know you've listened to a few episodes, mm-hmm. but since it's your first time on, general non spoiler impressions, then would you buy, rent, stream, or pass on this? Uh, I think this movie's a banger. <laughs> <laughs> Some bangers in match. It straight slaps. Um. <laughs> 
Isaac said, definitely holds up. Uh, I've seen it. Well, my third time watching it. And I thoroughly enjoyed it still, again, every time. Even knowing what happens, just how they did the effects. And uh, like you said, having all those people, I think, really adds to the suspense of it all. You know, you're like, what were they doing? Why? And, you know, it could be anyone. Yeah, because it's so easy to lose track of everybody that, like, they slipped away for two seconds. How did I not notice that? Yeah, I'm like, oh, that guy wasn't in the scene. Wow, yeah. where was he? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I think I would definitely say if you're a horror sci-fi connoisseur um, and you like to own physical copies of movies, uh, <laughs> you should definitely buy this movie. It definitely needs to be part of your collection. It's just an all-time classic, in my opinion. Yeah, just the scenes and the the effect work is just awesome in this movie. I would stream it also, you know, <laughs> if you're answer. not a movie buyer, um, <laughs> definitely stream that. If you haven't seen this movie and you call yourself a sci-fi or a horror junkie, definitely watch it. Cool. And as for myself, uh, I obviously really love this movie. I've seen it countless times. I, I literally can't keep track of how many times I've seen it. It's just such an incredible horror force. The direction just seems so purposeful, mm-hmm. and all of the performances just seem really realized, and even the effects work, I think, is just, mm-hmm. nowadays you don't see the uh, dedication to time or studios being willing to put the time and money into it to actually make something look good. I think I'm going to end up talking about the uh, 2011 thing, I think, is when it came out, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, you can definitely see how even the same studio is just not willing to rely on the practical effects anymore. I mean, I'm going to say the fact that no one actually talks about the 2011 thing is probably very telling. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons for that. Yeah. When, <laughs> when Dry asked me to do the episode, I was like, are we going to watch the new one? <laughs> he was like, no, the original. Like, okay, good. Yeah, okay, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm in. in. I'm in. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, be, I don't know. Maybe I might need to yeah. visit my grandmother's funeral. Oh, it's yeah. the original? Okay. Got to wash my hair. Back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just an incredible movie, honestly. And everything just feels like it's place there to help build tension in a way that a lot of movies are really really afraid to dedicate to doing because they're afraid honestly to make the audience bored Mm -hmm. Uh, which at the time (laughs) the audience was very bored with it actually (laughs) so it's uh it's one that was made before i think the audience was ready for it which is very strange very few movies are in that situation but yeah it's obviously worth a buy i owned it on dvd i went out just for this episode to go and get the special edition Shout Factory versions so I could watch a bunch of the special features for this. Curse the gods because there's not a 4K version. Mm. They're working on it. The so gods are? Yeah. Eventually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, once it comes out, I am going to I am gonna buy that. They're working on it. So then you'll just have two other versions of the thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have, I'll have every version of it. You know, I'll just take one off your hands. There we go. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, definitely worth a buy for me. Yeah, all right. Here's your last chance. Uh, Hulu... Amazon. Amazon Sling and Stars for subscriptions. If you have any of those, it's on there. And then uh, Google, YouTube, and Vudu for $3.99. Last chance. Let's get into some spoilers magazines. All right, E. Hi. Give us the 60-second synopsis. All right. So hundreds of thousands of years ago, a spaceship landed on Earth. Mm-hmm. Well, it crashed into Earth, I should say, yeah. and got frozen over. And a bunch of Norwegians decided that they were going to find the spaceship. You mean Sweden's. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, ooh, let's take it back. 
and then they all mostly died. And then because they found the thing encased in another block of ice that is on that was a couple feet away. <laughs> <laughs> well, <I> mean, <laughs> and then the main crew decides that it's a good idea to bring that to their place and they all get picked off. I, actually, not really one by one because you don't really know. But yeah, you mm-hmm. don't know how they're picked off, really. They get picked off a number by a number <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> until eventually they have to figure out a way to deal with this before it spreads and kills everyone in existence. Yeah, which it, the characters kind of talk about, like, who knows how many planets it's ever been on? Who knows how long it's been alive? Like, I think you can see that in all the forms it takes, like the head that falls off the corpse later on in the movie. Yep. Uh, it just turns into another being with like eyes and it becomes like a weird spider thing. And you see it just morph into a bunch of different forms. Yeah. Yeah. Like a worm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like a weird dinosaur thing at the end almost. Uh, yeah. Like, so who knows how long this thing's been alive or how many planets it's destroyed, honestly. Yeah. In the non-spoilery stuff, talked about the, uh, the thing remake, which is weird to call it a remake because it's not actually a remake. This movie, yeah. the thing actually has a really weird history in general. Mm-hmm. So this version of the thing is based off of the thing from another world, which itself was based off of a novella from 1938 called Who Goes There? <laughs> and the 2011 thing isn't actually a remake. It's a prequel to mm-hmm. this, the thing. Yeah. But it's also just called the thing. Well, of course, you got to <laughs> get people to actually watch it. <laughs> That's true. Um. So, yeah, the prequel is where you get to see what happened to the Norwegian team. That's basically what it is. I mean, I can't imagine it being that different than what happened here. It's almost exactly the same, except the movie ends with them in the helicopter chasing the dog. Dang, what a mm-hmm. coincidence that they could just reuse the exact <laughs> yeah. same setup. Yeah. So weird. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I uh, to talk about that movie a little bit, I don't think it's bad, but I think portions of it are really bad. Ooh. Um. Like, the thing that most fans of this or this thing, John Carpenter's The Thing, point out the most is that the special effects, all of the mm-hmm. latex and rubber work and all of the practical monsters and everything that are in it look really good, even now. Like, they just look mostly convincing, honestly. Because yeah. they put all the money and time into it, which did take a lot of time. Fun fact here. They had a lot of production time for the special effects and latex work. They were working on it six months before production, and during production, and they had two months after production. Mm. The guys on the effects teams, I think it was like four or five guys, they worked seven days a week for 14 months straight. Oh, good. You can tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, they put in the time. Like, the special, the guy who was lead at the, for the latex. Like, it's a really good thing that I got this project when I was young, because if I got it now, I would be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I really hope they were paid well, at least. Um, they were union, so I assume so. I mean, it's the 80s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we hope. Yeah, yes. hopefully. Yeah, so they they definitely put in the time and the work. And for the prequel, the thing, slash soft reboot, slash remake, <laughs> um, they started going down that road. They actually did do all the practical effects. They had all the latex. They had everything out there, all the rubber monsters. And they filmed the movie with that. It was done. They had all of it done. And then whenever the producers saw a screening of it, they got weary and they thought audiences are not going to be into this anymore. They definitely don't want to see practical effects. <laughs> so they literally, and I'm not kidding, this is the really, this is the most annoying part, is that the movie was done. All the practical effects were done. It was all shot already. 
they went back over it with CGI. <sighs> Sounds great. That's always good. Yeah. So they essentially traced over all of the original work with really, really bad 2011 CGI. Uh, so they there, ruined it. Yes. <laughs> is there like a copy of the original somewhere? Nope. They you just completely... <laughs> they didn't want it to multiply, so... <laughs> Producers are the worst. <laughs> yeah, they shot themselves in the foot with that one. Because, like, honestly, the cast in that one was mostly fine. Like, they're pretty good for the most part. Even some more memorable than the cast in this. <gasps> it just ultimately came down to, like, you know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, Once, exactly. If you've seen the original and you see, like, oh, here's the giant block of ice, and here's that axe, and here's the guy that killed himself, like, we know exactly where this goes. Which, I mean, most prequels suffer from, but I think it's... Especially difficult to do with horror prequels, honestly. Yeah. You telling me that you can't be like, oh, here's the prequel and you're definitely not going to know what happens. <laughs> well, <laughs> Wait, I mean, will the main character die who's in the sequel? Who knows? <laughs> some, some prequels do it fairly well. I can't think of any. Of oh, the Little Mermaid um, No, the Annabelle one. Actually, yes. The Annabelle prequels actually do work dope. really well. Um. It also helps that they were just made far better than the original Annabelle. But. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> <laughs> so just on a base level, much better movies. But um, this entire movie was such a strange thing because Carpenter was an indie filmmaker before all of this. This mm. was his very first studio film, which he really took advantage of. And he so he didn't write any of this. He didn't have any. He didn't get involved in any of that, obviously. Uh, he was really just the director who was put in charge of like, OK, like make this thing work. And he did a lot of rewrites on set, as you kind of have to Mm -hmm. do when you're making any kind of movie. But he really made it his own because there were a bunch of other directors in line. And for some reason, they really, really wanted him because he directed Halloween. He directed The Fog and Racing 13, stuff like that. So he was was making a name for himself at the time, for sure. Was Halloween an indie movie? Yeah. Huh. That's crazy. Right? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. He, uh... He put a lot into this movie. He has gone on record a bunch of times to say this was the hardest movie he has ever made in his entire career. Hmm. Uh, I might argue it's the last good movie he made in his career also. Wow. What did he make after this? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing, apparently. (laughs) No, he wasn't involved with that at all. Oh, my bad. No. Ghosts of Mars. Oh. I've sold from the name alone, quite frankly. Uh, There's ghosts. From Mars. Mars. And they're on Mars. Oh. Um, Is this the sequel to The Martian? No. (laughs) So it's almost like the thing, but what if everything was red and had rock music and was just super violent? Nice. 2000's The Thing? Kinda. (laughs) 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 Dang. Yeah, it's not good. He, Mm. He didn't really do anything noteworthy after. Yeah, he poured his heart and soul into this and... He somehow got out of the basic contract that Universal was trying to put him into. Because they're like, hey, we get all rights. And he's like, okay, I'm not going to do it then. We get some rights? All right. Mm, okay. <laughs> Honestly, I guess. That's, um, that's astounding in the 80s. Actually, yes. Like, he is also surprised that he got as much freedom as he did. Like, he wouldn't allow photographers on set, which at the time was a big thing, especially for horror movies, because you needed to get those stills out there so people could see. Yeah. And his thing was like, well, the monster's always changing, so if a thing gets out of a monster... And everyone's like, well, this is the monster. And then that's not what that thing is at all. People are going to be disappointed anyway. That would have definitely ruined it, I think. Right. For sure. I Um, mean, we wouldn't know we were. (laughs) Yeah. Well, none of us were born. (laughs) But seeing all the different forms of the monster is what makes it fun when you see it for the first time. So if you already saw those in still shots, it wouldn't be as shocking to you. 
Right. What if all the stills were just them like standing around though? (laughs) (laughs) Well, this movie looks incredibly boring. And Um, then that would be accurate to how they reacted. (laughs) Right. So we should talk about that, I guess. All right. This movie was absolutely hated when it came out. (laughs) Uh, Critics didn't like it for the most part. Uh, Even Eber himself saying that it was incredibly sterile and boring and too gory for modern audiences. That I might agree with. Yeah, it was a lot at the time. Uh, It's a lot now, I think. But yeah, most critics just thought it was really, really boring. There was no passion in it. Uh, They hated the downer ending. Absolutely (laughs) hated it. Uh, Everybody in the audience actually hated it, which will go into just how much the audience hated it at the very end when we go over box office. But we've talked about it a little before. We talked about it on the Blade Runner episode, I think, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, This movie came out two weeks after E.T. came out. Oh, which, as everybody knows, was a huge success. Here's my alien movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and it came out the same weekend as Blade Runner and the weekend before Poltergeist. Oh. <laughs> it was in a bad place. Yeah. <laughs> People were not ready to have this extremely depressing monster movie where everybody just dies and no one wins. Right after E.T. came out and was like, I like candy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Let's I fly. Can- Honestly, I don't think there's any time it really could have came out unless they delayed it 10 years. Maybe. I just, I don't think it would have been, it's not a good summer movie. It came out in the blockbuster season. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's definitely not yeah, a this blockbuster. this is a Christmas movie. Come on. Yeah. Honestly, this would have been a great <laughs> Christmas a movie. Christmas but movie. didn't you tell me in the 80s they didn't really do Christmas movies? Like, people didn't go out to watch movies during that time? In the 80s, it's when blockbusters started to really be a thing. And so by the time... You just need good movies. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Uh, by the time The Thing came out, uh, summer blockbusters were definitely uh, in spin. And okay. things coming out in winter that were big definitely weren't a thing. Which who knows what's going to happen now with all this COVID stuff going on. I'm, I'm very interested to see what blockbuster means now. Uh, well, Disney lost the uh, let's make everyone pay theater prices to watch a movie at home. They're now just delaying their movies again. So Yeah, they delayed Black Widow again until next year now. I don't think any Marvel movies are coming out this year. There's not. For I don't the first think, time like, the first Iron Man I came think there's out, like yeah. three movies coming out this year. Not for Marvel. Not for Marvel. There's three Marvel movies coming out next year. No, I just think in general. Oh. oh. There, de- there yeah. definitely probably is. Like, what, is this like Tenet, uh, Spongebob's in certain areas? All I've heard <laughs> of is Tenet. Wonder Woman's supposed to come out on Christmas mm. Day. It won't. No. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Disney definitely got scared off by saying that Tenet, uh, which is arguably one of the biggest movies in quite a while, just isn't doing well in the U.S. still. Well, even like the backlash for Mulan, honestly. Too. Yeah, Mulan sucks. Don't live action animated things is my take. I, I've always. been a fan of a few of them, but Mulan was just bad. Can't do it. I mean, I think the best I can say is most of them are forgettable. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is not a thing that you should be able to say about it. Well, that's their fault for making forgettable <laughs> movies. But this isn't the Disney movie podcast. This is the Thing podcast this week. Right. An right. actually good movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll say, it's, since we were talking about the ending, it's really funny that the time you asked the question that had to do with me talking about how Junji Ito does like downer endings that in American movies don't like to do it. We watched the American movie that had a downer Yeah, ending. I thought that was actually kind of great. <laughs> <laughs> Watch like the one that's just super, super downer and Housewives about a parasite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so while we were just starting to watch this, he 
uh, actually in the in the preview stuff, you were saying that it took place in Alaska. Yeah. But then it says it takes place in the Arctic or something. Antarctica. Like Antarctica. Antarctica. I thought he was actually right at first. And yeah. I was like, wow, Alaska, you got it. Well, it was in Alaska. It was Antarctica. So what's funny is it actually was shot in Alaska. Well, yeah, like all those outside scenes were so Alaska. Were technically right. Yeah. <laughs> so it was three different ways that they shot the film. Uh, it was Alaska, which is like all those outside scenes where you see them at the base. That's all Alaska on a glacier actually there. Mm-hmm. Which there's a lot of shit that happened with that. <laughs> um, they had to build a set in summertime uh-huh. because mm-hmm. they couldn't do it in winter. Cause it, yeah, you it's, die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and so they built it in June of that summer while there wasn't snow and then just waited for it to snow. I mean, I imagine they didn't have to wait that long. No. Isn't no. it dark like half the year? Pretty dark, pretty, very cold. They were literally on a glacier. Hmm. Uh, the closest town to them was a mining town, and they were very close. Like, the glacier they were on was a mining glacier, so the road that they had used to get there, there were miners constantly coming up and down, and it was a whole thing. But the thing is, the miners would usually stay at the closest town in the hotels, but Universal rented all the hotel rooms for the cast and crew. Oh, no. So the miners didn't have anywhere to stay in town. Oh. So they were real salty towards everybody in that crew. Because it was the 80s, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they just lived there. And so they don't really like have contact with civilization, really. Mm-hmm. Or people. And the guy who plays um, Childs had told a story in an interview he was like uh yeah we went out drinking one night and i walked into this bar and it was just like all the stories you always hear about like hillbilly towns of like everyone's just wearing like plaid hats and they all have giant beards and white hair and i walked in and they all just stared at me like and then one guy like we've been drinking all night we bring it and one guy comes up and he's like you know what i don't care what anyone says i like the way your people move nice (laughs) yeah and he's like and you know what fuck it as long as they're not saying any other words, he can call me you people all night long. <laughs> oh my gosh. Charles is the large black guy, if yeah. you don't know. Yes, yes. <laughs> He's the large black man in the movie. Oh, man. Yeah, so it was way up in hillbilly country. That could have been worse, honestly. I mean, oh, it could have been, <laughs> been way worse. Especially <laughs> considering they took the only hotel. Yeah. Yeah. So all of the miners had to stay in, like, a lodge, just in a random part of the mountain, with no heating or anything like that. Hmm. And so whenever they had to be on the same bandwidth as the miners, so when the miners were coming down, the miners would be like, hey, we're coming down. They wouldn't stop for them. Like, they, it was a, a very slim road. So when they, uh, I guess I should mention, it's an hour and a half to two hour bus ride just to get to that set from the town. Mm-hmm. And then another hour and a half to two hour bus ride back. Mm. And so when they're going up the hills... When they had to be on the radio, the miners would be like, okay, we're coming down. They would not stop. Um, they would push them off the road if they had to. They would not stop for the cast and crew because they were kind of pissed at them. Not like them. Yeah, not fans. And so they always tried to rush as much as possible. So much so to where one time the bus driver was rushing so much, he hit the brakes too hard on a turn, and they actually slid out. Oh. And all of the cast was on this bus. And so they're sliding off, and they almost slide. They, half the bus slides off the cliff side, which is, uh, from what they said, probably a good half mile drop down. And so they're stuck there. And one of the guys on the uh, cast saying, like, if this were a movie, this would be the part where like everybody's freaking out, and like it cuts, and everyone's just staring at the side of the bus. And so the funny thing is, Kurt Russell kind of did take over as the leader in this situation in real life. 
uh, Kurt Russell's the guy with the beard, McCready. Yeah. Um, he's just sitting at the front of the bus. He's like, okay, everybody get on your knees and one by one, slowly shuffle to the front of the bus and then get off. Hmm. Um, and they said once you, when everybody starts shuffling, you can actually feel the weight of the bus start to tilt back onto the mountain. Now that's suspense right there. Yeah, so they all got off to where enough of the weight was back onto the road to where the bus driver could get back onto the road. And then they all got back on the bus and very somberly drove to the set that day. And Carpenter is the director, so he'd never rode the bus. He helicoptered in every day. He was in a town far away. He was in a very nice, warm hotel. Mm. (laughs) Uh, He admits that this was the biggest perk in this entire thing of being the director in this case. Apparently, when everybody got there, everyone was really, really sad and scared and freaking out. And so he just shook all their hands. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Morale booster. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that it was a it was a weird thing. Like every every time that they had to shoot on that set. Because uh, they did it in three chunks, like I said. Part of it was a sound t- soundstage on Universal Lot. Part of it was up in that mountain town. And then another part was on set in British Columbia. Stuart, British Columbia. Um, the thing is, when they were on that one big set, um, in the actual location where everything was very, very cold, it would, on, on the night shoots, they're freezing. Like, there's a reason why nobody's talking and they're all covered up and they have goggles on. is because with wind chill, it would get... Uh, 100 degrees below zero hmm. uh, on most nights for those. So the other problem is they weren't allowed to have heaters on that set. So inside it was significantly warmer because there's no wind or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's only not. negative 40 inside. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> 41. Oh. <laughs> and so they got there and like, they're like, okay, we can warm up. They start turning all the heaters that uh, the crew had put up for them. And then the crew started realizing that it was melting the snow on the roof. Like, okay, we can't do that. We have to keep the shots. Uh, turn all the heaters off. So as long as they were on that set, they weren't allowed to have heaters. Jeez. Mm. So they were just cold when they were there. That's just <laughs> what life was for a few months. And wow. sometimes they had to stay there because a storm would hit and they couldn't get back to town. This sounds like Marquette, Michigan. My college town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Negative 40 was a real temperature a couple weeks when I lived there. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't want to sleep in that. Um, yeah just go out to quiznos so. one day and you're like well it starts snowing so i guess i'm sleeping here for a few days guys yeah so <laughs> kudos to them for uh trucking through that honestly yeah so uh, basically they almost died recording this movie in a lot of ways yeah and there were like a lot of knife injuries actually too in a- really <laughs> dumb ways um so the scalpel scene was real is what you're telling me actually the guy with the scalpel was no longer allowed to use a scalpel or have things in his hand after a certain point so when he was holding it and, like, handing it off to somebody, it actually cut uh, between his pointing finger and his thumb. Mm. And he took his hat off and just placed it on the wound <laughs> wow. and drove himself to an emergency room because that nice. part was done on a set. And, he, like, he didn't tell anybody because he was afraid that he would be recast or something. I mean, and that, so he just, like, drove true. and he, like, went to the doctor and he's like, okay, doc, you got to put a stitch in this. I got to get back to the set. And the doctor's like, I'm not going to put a stitch in that. It needs a Band-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> he's like... But what? Just put a stitch. I'm gonna have to be moving a lot. He's like, okay, I can put a butterfly bandaid on it. He's like, okay. And so he did that, and then he had to go back to set with blood all over his costume hat. <laughs> and he had to be like, uh, so I kind of cut myself, and the costume people were like, uh, okay, and they just painted over it. So he got a boo boo. Yeah, he got a he got a boo boo, freaked out, and ran away. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 
I don't blame him because recasting is just a thing. Yes. But that's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. Um, is that why he's basically hiding it constantly? Yeah. So, like, if you look, his hand looks like it's, like, constantly in, like, a grip thing uh-huh. because he doesn't want to show his uh, hand. The other guy that's hiding his hand constantly is Childs, actually, mm-hmm. the black guy who uh, was afraid of all the people. Yeah. <laughs> um, he actually broke two fingers on his left hand in a car crash the day before filming started. Oh. Oh. And so through half the movie, you just can't see his left arm. Like, it's hidden behind him or, like, to the side. Yeah. Or if you notice a lot of the times, only his right side is poking out, like, the side of a door frame and he's talking. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like to pop in yeah so he had also had an injury for most of the movie did they know about that one though they knew about that one yeah, <laughs> yeah he told them that one. <laughs> oh man yeah going back to the effect stuff they really did get a ton of time to work on that they went through i think they said 15 five gallon latex buckets Jeez. for forming and they said, that's not what you see on screen. That's just how much they had to use to try and figure out the models. <laughs> like, and to be fair, like, yeah, you can see, like, they definitely put the time into it and they figured yeah. it out. That's just a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they also had a bunch of fiberglass models. Like, the first time you see when they bring um, the corpse the corpse back from the Norwegian camp with, like, the melted face together. Yeah. That one's actually made out of fiberglass. That doesn't surprise me. It definitely doesn't look super shiny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a little stiff. Yeah, a little bit. But he's frozen. Yeah. So, I mean. Yeah, so it works. Yeah. He's frozen when he's in the room for multiple days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he, well, then he comes back, so. Yeah. Another thing is that this is the movie that Carpenter is most proud of in his career also. I mean, yeah, that seems fair. I can see that. At the time, he definitely wasn't because of how people viewed it and yeah. how critics viewed it and how there was just nobody in any theaters, uh, even so much so to where the cast still had to pay for all their tickets. There wasn't a premiere night for this movie Jeez, because man. Universal hated the ending and they kind of wanted to bury it. So almost <laughs> nothing was spent on uh, advertising. advertising. There was trailers put out two weeks beforehand, which one of the trailers accompanied E.T. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy, what's that movie? <laughs> yeah, um, there was one reviewer that people like laugh at now, but he got really angry in review he's like i can't believe they put this movie out it's so gory and adult how are you supposed to take your children to this <laughs> and one of the actors was like don't take your fucking children then like it's not that hard just don't take your kids yeah <laughs> but what are they gonna watch after et screaming come on <laughs> gotta go straight to the thing oh man yeah just, it just reminds me of like parents getting mad when like taking their kids to like deadpool or <laughs> an, a more f1 sausage party because oh, that one's God. animated and people don't have the concept that animation isn't just for children. People don't know how to read an R rating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. People it's are like, so stupid. Uh, it's kind of crazy that this animated movie was never shown in any of the movies I t- took my child to. It's probably okay. Must be great. It's a fun one. <laughs> yeah, that's what the R stands for. Really fun. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing that I think is really fun and also something I don't think you can get away with doing now they actually had flamethrowers. Yeah. Oh. They really did. The actors had to be trained how to use all the flamethrowers. That's awesome. So when you see them using a flamethrower and actually setting something in an uncontrollable fire, it's because the actors are actually setting something on uncontrollable fire. God, I would not want to be the people having to be tied in that chair 
what these actors said. They were extremely scared, actually. Yeah, they looked extremely scared. <laughs> it lends itself to the scene. There's an actual flamethrower pointing at them. Because that's what I was going to ask. Do, did they just have, like, one shot for a lot of those scenes then? Because if you burn the... Yeah. Yeah, you can't... I mean, maybe they had a spare or two, but I can't imagine they had many spares oh, the things to no, light on fire. No. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, the, the things, yeah. yeah. There is so much destruction in this movie. Uh, if something looks like it blows up, it actually blows up. They destroyed that part. Uh, if they fuck something up, it is fucked up. So they have to be done with shooting that before they get to that part. And every time you see the other cast come on and put the fire out, they're actually the ones putting out. There's not like a hidden cut to where like the crew comes on and like safely puts the fire out. The rest of the cast just has to come on to set and put the fire out. Maybe that's why they always it. put it out so fast. Because yeah. I, was, I was like, you should probably let them burn a little bit. But yeah, they were like, come. no, now it's good. Yeah, like the part to where um, after the blood scene, I think it is, when he sets somebody on fire, when McCready sets somebody on fire, and he's like, yeah. no, wait, wait. That's actually him saying, like, don't do it yet. Don't do it yet. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> it's our only prop. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Man, that is... Yeah, you can't do that because, one, that's just terrible for the environment. <laughs> yeah, you maybe shouldn't put everything on fire. <laughs> yeah, like, so all the explosions, too, then? Yeah, um, all the, ex- like, at the end, when you see the entire base being blown up, that's literally them blowing the entire thing up. Yeah, you can't do that. That's a lot of <laughs> yeah. destroying actual land. <laughs> yeah, they really <laughs> fucked all that up. Did they use real dynamite sticks, too? Yeah, I assume so, because he was they literally blew it all throws. up. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not for those parts. <laughs> oh, man, that's... Um, one of the fun things that I like in the production, like, it, it's, it kills the movie magic a little bit, but it's just fun. Whenever McGreedy and the other guy helicopter over to the Norwegian base, and you see everything burnt down and destroyed, that was shot after they destroyed their <laughs> set, because they used the same set. You d- that's, that's fair. Smart. Yeah, it's not like you actually get to see what the destroyed set really looks like. They're just sitting in a destroyed building. Right, exactly. Um, so if everything is like smoking there, it's because they're just shooting it the next day while everything's still smoking. <laughs> that's efficiency, though. Yes, that's what I like yeah. to hear. Oh, um, man, for how much this movie cost for a horror movie, especially back in the day, it really doesn't cost that much to today's standards. Yeah. Which, again, we'll get into it at the very end. Yeah, because you didn't have to pay to have a ex- controlled explosion. <laughs> no, you just fucking blow <laughs> it just, up. You just threw it. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, well, who's going to complain? These miners that no one knows who they are? Yeah, they're already complaining. It's fine. <laughs> they're already unhappy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's just insane. Yeah, so, like, just how they made this movie is absolutely ridiculous. Honestly, I think you can see, like, the passion behind everything, though, because it really does seem like... Just a whole bunch of dudes just getting together and having a really good time for a couple months. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Freezing their ass off. <laughs> yes, freezing their ass off, blowing things up, just drinking a bunch. Because they really did. They were really kind of just stuck up in this very small town for most of the time and then very sometimes stuck up in the set. They just had to get to know each other and hang out a lot. Kurt Russell, who plays McCready, actually is very happy that there were no women on in the movie. Um, not because he hates women. He's actually a very nice guy. <laughs> 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 it's just like... Nobody was trying to impress the woman to get laid, is what he said. Definitely. Like, everybody could just, like, be on same solid ground. Nobody's, like, trying to be impressive or be more manly than anybody else. They can just be who they are. You can see that for sure. When there's a woman, or a woman, a woman <laughs> in the room, you can see guys that they start acting different, yeah. you know? Yeah, they're like, I'm more of a man. Yeah. 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 start walking a little different. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's such a strange thing to make a movie this way in general. I mean, yeah. Like... Is there really much movies you can compare it to, uh, production-wise? 
off the top of my head, no. Yeah. Especially not like horror movies. None no. that go to this extent. I think even like concept wise, it's so original. Yeah. Just like other than being inspired by something that was inspired yeah. by something else. <laughs> yeah, but like <laughs> no, I know the story of it is very compelling and different, I feel like. Yeah. And they never like I haven't seen anything since this that takes that kind of imposter type of There's a game out right now that's kind of going oh, crazy. I was gonna say that. Actually among you, s- you say right now, the game it's is It's been out for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. It's been out for a long time. Yeah. This um, is this movie's basically the the game Among Us in yes. horror form. It's for all the people who have no idea what we're talking about. Among Us, yeah. Uh, that'll be a much better touchstone for you, probably. Yeah. Um, and basically, the sus meme is just McCready the whole movie. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. But, uh, I didn't want to... T- so, talking about, like, the idea... Actually, I don't think there's many movies that do the mimic without actually it just being able to transform. Like, it's a really cool idea to have it it has to actually kill and like absorb what it's want, what it needs to transform into. I think that's actually a really cool like cuz then it's really in your head if this person's real cuz if it's just a mimic, you can do the weird like ooh, which one do I shoot? You're right and have that like weird cheesy yeah. ending thing. Yeah. Right. But like with this it's such a absurd thing cuz it really brings out like cuz it doesn't leave anything behind other than yeah. like bloody clothes. Right, which it it's uh you see a couple piles of buddy clothes every now and again in the movie, yeah. which is like, hey, like, is that person actually like a thing now, or like, what happened here? Yeah, it literally replaces you, which is what I think makes it scary. Yeah, because, yeah. yeah, like you're saying, if it was a doppelganger, you'd just be like, oh, which one's the real? You know? Yeah. But yeah, tell me something only Jeremy would know. <laughs> yeah, but this one just takes you, and now it is you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, which raises a bunch of other questions. Like, I've always wondered. Do the people who are the thing know that they're the thing? I don't know if I think so, because uh, Window is very, like, scared about his blood tests. Yeah. Not in, like, the general way everyone is. Like, he is genuinely relieved when he's proved to not be the thing. Yeah. And because the main thing is the thing seems to have this sense of conscience from whatever it takes over. Mm-hmm. Like, when it's a dog, it still behaves and acts like a dog, something that an alien obviously wouldn't understand. Yeah, yeah. So, I th- there's something in there. I don't know if it's inherently you don't know, but there's definitely this weird, it just, again, the fact it takes over you. It's not just a dog. Yeah, it's like a parasite, basically. And um, one of the, I don't know who he was, but the guy that was on the table when he, like... Was, oh, like, Clark? Thing- no, Is that his name? he like his like body opens up and by oh, oh. Right. his chest opens up and like turns into a yeah, giant mouth. So that because before that you could see when he would like he was like looked like he was hurting. Right, like he was like it looked like he had like a stomach ache. Yeah, almost. so he was like know. just behaving the same. Yeah, so I don't know if he because he was already the monster, but right. I don't know if he knew. Yeah, and like, again, that's like strange. what this movie does really well is even as the viewer, you don't know. Like even at the very very end, you don't know. Yeah, exactly. I really like that actually because yeah. uh, one. One I really like is the uh, the guy with the glasses. I don't remember his name. Uh, Windows? No, the the one that they found the charred corpse. Oh, I don't remember his name. Yeah, but like that one's actually really interesting because you don't even know because they bring up multiple things that could have happened. He could have killed himself. He could have been killed by the monster with the fire. Mm-hmm. But you don't know. You're right, yeah. You don't even know if the thing just ate it and then left that as, like, a general thought thing. 
to get, like, get into people's heads of like maybe he did this or this. Yeah, yeah like you don't know. You as the it's one of the f- movies that does it right, where it leaves the viewer in this questioning state without feeling like you're just withholding information from the viewer. Right. It feels like you're getting exactly the information that everybody else in the situation is getting. And you feel like you're more involved in it because you are also trying to figure out what's going on with them. Yeah. Uh, you don't feel like you know more or less than anybody, which is really rare to be able to pull off, actually. I think a lot of like whodunits suffer with that kind of thing. I like that the entity, it seems to be pretty smart. Right. Like yeah. the ripped up clothes, like trying to frame people and things. Yeah. It, it like would, and even uh, what you're talking about, the burnt body, they don't know if the monster did that to make it look like he was fighting it off or if he just actually burnt it and that was one of them. Yeah. yeah. It seems to try to actually get in their heads more even and make them distrust each other, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Because I guess from its perspective, it would be more beneficial if they just all killed each other and then it just ate Right, because that's the thing. He's not like, it's not like a murderous beast, really. It kills for survival. Yeah. So, like, it really could just wait out there until the summer came and then escape if it wanted to. Yep. Which it ultimately is really what it was trying to do. It just failed at it because it couldn't quite hide as much as it wanted. Or did it? Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) Just, it is crazy. I guess another thing I'll say, this is probably the best monster design I've ever seen. Yes. Yeah. And you get so many different monster designs, too. Like every new iteration feels like something new. Yeah. You can't get tired of it, of seeing it. Like, but sometimes movies lose their touch after you've seen the monster for the first scene. And they yeah. keep showing it. Then it gets old, and it's not as scary. But this one changes form every time you see it. So it's always something new and different. Yeah, and yeah. it kind of just keeps you interested in, like, whoa, what's it going to look like next, you know? Yeah, like a movie that's been on my mind a lot lately, Lights Out. Yeah. Uh, like after those first 15 minutes of that movie, like, you're like, okay, I get what this thing is. And now it's yeah. just like trying to figure out new ways to work with that, like scare. But with this, like you really have no idea what this thing is going to look like the next time you see exactly. it. Exactly. Cause like even at the end, it is this gigantic worm parasite looking monster with like a T-Rex head and like yeah. half human head yeah, and like a dog little... coming out of its chest. Yeah. And like... and like, you just can't like, I didn't know that was coming. That's insane. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is very small from the entirety, but I guess it's eaten so much. Actually, yeah, that's another thing, too. You never know how many of them there are, because, like, there's, yeah. for sure, there was two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's everywhere. You don't know if it's because there's many of them, if it's the same one being able to move fast. Yeah, even uh, during the big blood test scene, uh, you see the blood kind of go away. Like, does yeah. that turn into something now? Like, it could it could be anything. You have no idea. Yeah. Just yeah. so much of that. Like, was Blair always one of them? Was he eaten later? Right, like, how? when did they get to him? Like, is that why the door was open? Like, stuff like that. Yeah. Cause, yeah, because yeah, there was the noose in there. Yeah, he was, right. so the monster wouldn't try to kill himself. Or would it? Or did, yeah, or would it, or pretend to would kill it itself? Say, yeah. Yeah, you know, you don't even know. And, yeah, he was acting all crazy, but he all, he had a reason. Actually, so, <laughs> that reminds me, uh, one thing I think is kind of stupid, he apparently has this program on his computer that can simulate this thing that oh, no yeah. one would ever know 75 <laughs> percent probability yeah it's taking like, over the world what did he write that in a week <laughs> like, well i just need to have well, this program to see what viruses could destroy the world at any moment yeah well, he's, he's a smart guy <laughs> was, it's just so funny to me it's like huh run the 
1% chance of happening in a million years program. <laughs> like, do they just have a billion of those on that computer? Yeah, why not? <laughs> here's the one. If a giant shark attacks us, uh, here's the... <laughs> here's if a here's sharknado the, happens. Here's Sasquatch. Uh, <laughs> that's also a Junji Ito story. Oh. <laughs> a land shark. What? Yeah. That's yeah. basically... Not all of his are as clever. <laughs> Sometimes it's just land Sometimes sharks. Sometimes it's a land shark. It's just, it's just shark guy. <laughs> the street sharks. One of his is just some kid bought a bag of dog poop. It's not even a horror story. I don't know why it's with the other ones. I just... It's I like terrifying. the meeting of like, man, Junji, you've like, you're really killing it out there. All of your stories are really clever and insightful. What's your next one? What if uh, a shark... But uh, he had legs. <laughs> and spider legs? No, so if you watch any interview with him, he's such a hilarious guy. He did this interview with some, I don't remember who it was, but like it was just like, if these things, like it was just a review of cats in oh, anime. Yeah. And like, <laughs> there's one from this super like slice of life, cutesy anime, and like the cat like bites the girl's hand when she goes to bed and he's like, ooh, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, that's very scary. That well, one is scary. The best part, his start actually was he was just writing a manga about him and his cat. Not huh. like scary or anything. He just did. And one of his friends went up to him and was like, you know, you should make horror because your art style is terrifying. <laughs> He's like, that, that cat is terrifying. You should make horror. <laughs> well, it's just, oh man. Yeah. He's, he's hilarious, and it's amazing to see more about him. But this huh. is not the Junji Ito <laughs> podcast, of course. Until it is. Until. Hey, maybe when the Adult Swim show comes out. Maybe it was always a Junji Ito podcast, and none of us knew it. Da, da, da. <laughs> that's, <laughs> more, <laughs> that's more an M. Night Shyamalan twist. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another cool thing, I think, behind the production of this movie is how it was cast. It wasn't just like a normal casting session, like bring a guy in, he reads for a part. Okay, cool. Um, they literally had an entire cast of 12 people at a time come in. Like, they're all going for a specific part, and they'd all come in and play a scene or a few scenes or half the movie, and from that, he'd be like, okay, uh, you and you stay, you're part of the cast now, everybody else leave. That would suck. Yeah. <laughs> and then the people who were reading for the other parts that weren't picked, they would come in, and they would work with the people who were chosen from the cast, just, like, to see who would, like, work together and have natural charisma. Hmm. And then from there, uh, before production happened, two weeks before production, he just did two weeks of straight rehearsals with all the cast. So everybody got to know each other kind of like you would with a stage play. Um, so everybody just knows their lines, they know their cues, they know exactly what they want to do. Except for one guy who got a little squirrely at the end and kind of the entire cast actually kind of got mad at him. Um, the guy who played Windows. Mm -hmm. His character's name isn't Windows. I forget what it is, but... He came in on the day to shoot, and he just had these big green glasses on, the ones you see in the movie, and he told John Carpenter, he's like, hey, hey, uh, and like apparently with a very straight face, he's like, hey, um, I want everybody from now on to call me Windows. <laughs> and he didn't give an explanation, not a background, he just decided this is what his character was now, and John Carpenter just stared at him for me, he's like, okay. And then just over a <laughs> giant megaphone's like, everybody call him Windows now. And like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Just fucking went along with it. Maybe he didn't like Steve Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, was, that was bad. I don't... He doesn't even have that many lines. <laughs> He's not even that big of a character. No, for all intents and purposes, it's an ensemble cast. Like, nobody really has a big role except for Kurt Russell towards the end, really. Well, Child's kind of, too, I would argue. Yeah, Child's do. Yeah. Also, I'm going to say uh, I think it was a bad decision not to keep uh, 
Nell's on the roller skates the entire movie. Oh, <laughs> that would have been good. <laughs> he's just in the snow trying to. But like, it, what if wait, then guys. he had snow tires on the roller skates? <laughs> just changes to snowshoes at some oh. point. <laughs> just always has something. I'm going to play the he learned a pivotal scene from a really weird and absurd uh, source game oh, with you, Dry. Okay. Uh, the blood. Well, actually, almost this entire movie, but mostly the blood scene. <laughs> I knew ahead of time. From The Simpsons. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> There is a parody of Pingu called the Thingu that someone made. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so you learned of this entire movie from, from Pingu. Yeah, from a parody of Pingu. Cool. Is it clay animation? Yes, actually. Oh. It's really good. I might actually want to show you after if I can find it. I know YouTube ended up taking it down, but I think it's on other sites. But yeah. Huh. So. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Since, you know, you, I learned from the most absurd sources. Yes. I've learned almost every movie reference that you know is from some weird internet thing, so. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes it's The Simpsons. Sometimes it's The Simpsons, like The Shining. <laughs> yeah. With the well, don't penguins live in a, in Antarctica? Yeah, that's so, probably I mean, why they chose that. <laughs> they should have. <laughs> they should have made the dog a penguin. No, no. The dog is the seal. Oh. That's pretty good. Okay. I'm I, in. I like the shot of a penguin waddling away from being shot at by a helicopter. <laughs> so it kind of walks up to Actually, them. That was a really bold decision to have your first big thing in your movie is someone trying to shoot a dog. That's true. Yeah. I guess I should talk about the dog a little bit because it wasn't that they had two dogs. One for the big chase scene in Alaska with uh-huh. like running away and the dog being shot at, which they weren't actually shooting at it, obviously. I would hope so. Um. But they just got, like, a dog that looked like the dog they used for the main movie and painted it. Mm. Uh, they had, like, animal rights people on, so it wasn't, like, it washed away. <laughs> but they didn't just, like, permanently paint it. They just spray painted it. <laughs> just because the dog that they used for, like, all the close-ups had only worked on one other film before. Mm-hmm. He was kind of camera shy. Kind of. He forgot his lines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, he actually kind of was a little camera shy. They worked with him through all of pre-production for months and months and months just to get him to walk up to one of the actors who, uh, by the way, was horribly afraid of dogs. Mm. And he was the one that worked with dogs the most, really. Um, oh, my gosh. And Why did they just switch who it was? It's already cast. Can't change it. Can't it's change the, the dog. Story. It's like two minutes in the movie. Can't, just can't change say, it. Just the dog went to the other guy. Nope. Can't change it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they had to train with that dog who was half wolf apparently for a long time to get get it to walk up to the dude and to walk down the hallway with the dude and walk down the hallway by itself um it didn't have like any cues though and there wasn't a trainer on set telling it what to do so like in the hallway scene where the dog is walking down the hallway by itself and it like almost goes into one room and then walks into the other one dog was not trained to do that they hoped it would <laughs> but it was not trained to do that so like all the stops and like how it looks at things and stuff like that not trained it just Kind of did that. Just went on a table to look out a window? No, that one they had, they just had <laughs> hey, dog, stand here. Okay, I was going to say, how did it? <laughs> no, no, but, like, all of the walking stuff, like, it walking alone, that was just all it doing dog stuff. Yeah, by the way, that dog should be an actor, I guess, because <laughs> it looked, like, in that hallway scene where it comes out of the door, Very it purposeful. looked creepy. Yeah. Like, it wasn't a dog, yeah. like, it, how it was walking. Yeah. And I was like, how did they get the dog to do that? But... Just did it. It and just like, knew it was its time to shine. Apparently, I guess. that only took like four or five takes, too. So, dog's pretty good. Probably the music <laughs> helped it be a little creepy. But yeah. it, it was like kind of slinking around, you know? Yeah, it, it felt like it was up to something. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, another thing with the dog is when it first goes into the cage and lays down, there are almost all of the shots where the dog is laying down is fake dog, mm-hmm. um, which is weird because it looks like a real dog. It's just one of those things I'm really impressed with, like the practical effects on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like once they turn the lights off, fake dog entirely, entirely fake dog, except for one close up where you see it like looking around and then completely fake dog. And then face splits open. And then the face, face splits <laughs> open and the skull falls out and then there's just a giant tongue. And then E, I'm going to get rid of some of your uh, fears of hurting the dog here. Uh, when the dog, it, when one of the dogs is sprayed down with a bunch of goo, uh, it's not like some weird synthetic goo. It's an additive that they use for Twinkies to make the bread stay together. <laughs> I mean, that's so it washes off. <laughs> so it's worse, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that dog will never die. <laughs> he could yeah. survive an apocalypse. Uh, but yeah, they just sprayed the shit out of that dog. I mean, I'm kind of not cool with that either, but at least it wasn't a bad thing they sprayed the shit out of the dog with. Yeah, just kind of like a food-based thing. Yeah, He probably got a treat after. Oh, he definitely got he they definitely boy. got all treats. Apparently one of the hardest things to shoot was the dog walking into the cage. Because all the other dogs were laying down. Those are real dogs. Mm-hmm. And it took a long time because all the dogs kept wanting to get up and bark at the other dog. Oh uh, yeah. Because <laughs> they knew it was the, the thing. Yeah, they knew. <laughs> all of the almost all of the effects at the end were stop motion. Nice. Yeah, like I could tell. But like nice. the floor coming up and stuff like that, stop motion. They yeah. completely recreated the set from stills and stuff that they got. It looked pretty good, honestly. Like, I think oh, yeah. you couldn't really tell that it wasn't the set for most of it. There's a couple where you can tell, like, that's clearly stop motion. Yeah, the frame uh, rate for some of that was a little... Yeah, which... Uh, when it grabs the little uh, blowy-uppy stick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were actually a lot more planned shots for that, but apparently Carpenter threw them out mm. because they looked too unreal. Uh, not that they looked bad. He actually said that they were really good stop motion. But it's just throughout the rest of the movie, they were these on like in lens practical effects for the whole thing, and then suddenly it's reacting in a completely different way than it did throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, and mm. it took you out of it and made it feel unreal. I think that's fair. I think for something like that, you probably would have had it be entirely yeah. done that way. And I think even then, probably adding stop motion there would probably take away from the whole movie. Yeah, because um, like that planned shot with the close up where you see like the T Rex head and then half the human body, that was originally going to be stop motion. Uh, and it just didn't look good. Uh, I saw some unfinished footage of that. Mm-hmm. Doesn't look good. It looks pretty <laughs> bad. Uh, it would definitely not fit the rest of the movie. And then the other weird thing is how the title sequence after the UFO crashes into the earth and the thing. Uh, I just kind of really like how simple that effect actually is because it's not a digital effect, obviously. Uh-huh. Not a digital title sequence. They superimposed another shot that they actually filmed over the space stuff. It was a fish tank filled with fog with a plastic trash bag over it <laughs> and a studio light inside of the t- uh, fish tank pointing upwards. And then they just had these uh, cells on it that burned that they had for the outline of the thing. And they just put that on fire <laughs> with matches. And so when you see it like burning up and creating yeah. the thing logo, it's just burning away. And so hilarious. You see the light in the fog. <laughs> fly through that's really cool actually yeah like that entire thing's completely yeah. practical which is real weird sometimes yeah, the simplest random. things work best yeah uh and it's a really nice recreation of the title sequence from the thing from another world mm-hmm. it looks very similar to that almost exactly like that very cool is the thing from another world a movie also yes that is what this is based off of okay i thought it was like a book or something the thing from another world is based off of the <laughs> the book. Okay, okay, it's based off go, of another book called the Whatchamadoo Hickey. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, 
the other thing is that this year, the year of 2020, the end of the world, mm-hmm. Bloomhouse has announced that they are remaking the thing. Oh, so they're just uh, adding to we'll this, they're just adding to the terrible things of this year. No. I like Bloomhouse. I don't yeah, know. they've I don't... done some good things and they've done some really not good things. <laughs> yeah, I don't really. I just like their little thing when I see it on horror movies. Their little uh, the little intro. intro thing. There's yeah. like a little girl walking in an attic. Yeah, it's a little spinny chair. It's pretty cool. Like they helped with the Insidious movies and stuff like that, but then they also did um, Truth or Dare. Mm. So you know. <laughs> mm. They hit in with the good and the bad. Uh, they helped with Get Out and stuff like that. So they're hit and miss. So they they give horror directors Is their last one a hit or a miss. That one was Fantasy Island, I think. So that was a miss. Mm. Maybe the odds are up there then. <laughs> <laughs> it's a toss up. We'll see. What happens. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. It really depends on who they get to direct it. Honestly, I don't. Know. I mean, you. I've discussed my view on remakes a lot on this podcast yeah, yeah where it's mostly like i don't see the purpose of remaking a good thing very much yeah i uh i don't think it will be better than the original i don't i can't imagine how it could be but Unless they also put a bunch of time into practical effects and right, bring it back kind of what they would have to do is even all then i think it might just be as good as the original though like yeah what could you add to it is it thing? like what <sighs> there's not much that could be improved about this movie is mostly what i'm getting at like yeah like the, re- <laughs> the reason they make a remake is if there's something about the original that just doesn't hold up or just isn't good sometimes and that's a big thing of why i just don't because hollywood likes money and there's not money in remaking bad things usually most of the time yeah so like it's just what's what are you gonna do with the thing other than just make the it cg again. and look bad there's, you could do that. They did that actually already, so now they're just retreading and retread. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Like, there's definitely territory there where I think with the property of the thing, you could do something cool and interesting. Yeah. But I think trying to redo this specific story, you're never, you're never going to hit the highs that that yeah. original does. No. There's like, just no way. There's so much about this movie that is just perfect yeah. that there's... What, what are you going to do with that, really? Yeah. Like... They there was a PS2 and Xbox game uh, that was the thing that Carpenter actually helped with a little bit. And he plays a bunch of games. Carpenter is a really cool dude, actually. He mm. plays a ton of games and he's a gamer. He actually <laughs> he's is a yeah. gamer, bro. Um, he really, really loves video games and making music. Ooh, so that's where he's concentrating. He's got on. my vote. Did he, he compose this one? Uh, he composed some of it. OK, I was going to say because the score in this is amazing. Uh, the score yeah, is amazing. Is. He composed some of it, but not all of it. Uh, he's very open about what he did touch and didn't touch. A lot of the music from this that was unused, because there was quite a bit of unused music from this, Quentin Tarantino actually took the unused tracks and used those for Hateful Eight. Huh. Oh. There are actually a lot of homages to the thing in Hateful Eight. There's I guess Kurt there Russell is. stars in it. There's literally scenes where you see them walking through lines in a giant blizzard through most of it. There's a blizzard happening the whole time. Yeah. Like, Hateful Eight is basically the thing meets Reservoir Dogs. That's actually a great description yeah. of Hateful Eight. <laughs> and it's like if you didn't have an alien in it. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there's there's a, a very nice whodunit aspect of Hateful Eight. There is that distrust uh, between people staying together yeah. in that movie that I just realized now that you're saying that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it all takes place during a giant blizzard yeah. and no one can leave. Huh. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot more interactions between the characters in Hateful Eight than in the thing but yeah, yeah you get true. to know them much better 
Although, again, that's Hateful Eight isn't a horror movie, though. Like, the right. thing doesn't have a lot of interactions because if you add more, it probably would really take away. Actually, that's something I'd be scared of with this remake is they're probably going to try to have a bunch of dialogue. Mm, true. Yeah. And because, also, yeah. Yeah. Because it's current times, they're going to try to make it humorous as well because you can't have serious movies anymore. It's illegal. That's kind of another big problem with the prequel thing. <laughs> Did that get you deep? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? Like, yeah, they... there are, there's always a comic relief now. Yeah. Yeah. Even in, well, I feel like really good movies that are supposed to be scary do not, do not have very much comedy in them. Like, I've just talked right. about Hollywood in general. Like, everything needs that. Like, even Midsommar, a very, like, tonally serious movie, still has, like, about half of it have a comic relief man. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But like, like Hereditary is there's not very much jokiness. In well, when that was movie. Hereditary? That was Ari Aster. That was the one he did before Midsummer. When was Hereditary? Oh, when? Uh, twenty seventeen. Seventeen or okay. 16. I guess that's a little closer. I don't. It's just a trend. That yeah, but most movies, yeah, definitely most of them yeah. won't try to be too serious, which I think makes those types of movies better when it, they're always the whole tone is like sad the whole time or dark or whatever scary yeah. you're going for yeah it's one of the things that just makes me really like annoyed with current movies is like you can't just be solemn you can't just be serious especially a thing that's an issue with a lot of uh superhero movies is you can't be earnest either you have to yeah. you have to half-ass your earnestness because you can't Heavens forbid a superhero be gung-ho about being a superhero in yeah. one of these movies. That's just my side gig. Yeah. I work a nine-to-five. Just doing my job. <laughs> yeah, so I guess the uh, last little bit of info I have here is we talked a lot, or maybe I talked at you guys about um, how this movie was not very well taken at the time. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not seen as a hit for its time. It made it most almost all of its money in the home market. DVD, Blu-ray, VHS releases, and on TV, honestly, it did really well. When it came out to theaters, it was a disappointment. Its budget was $15 million, which again, quite a bit of money for a mm-hmm. horror movie, especially at the time. Uh, opening weekend was $3.1 million. Mm. Again, two weeks after E.T., people... Yeah. Which that movie made 630 something million. Wow. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen E.T., so... It's, uh... I think it shows that history got it wrong. Like, E.T.'s fine. People aren't really talking about E.T. anymore, you know? Yeah. I mean, every now and then someone gets nostalgic. For... Actually, more people talk about the video game than the movie nowadays now yeah. that I think about it. <laughs> but, like, people really still love the thing. Yeah. And I think that there's just more of a real audience for the thing than there is E.T. Because E.T. is a real nice family film. Did great for its time. Real cute. But it doesn't really have substance. Showed how well you can just get sponsors and yeah. <laughs> shove it down yeah, throats. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Spielberg killed it with that. <laughs> but uh, in its entire theatrical run at the time, it made $20 million. Which, uh, with how little advertising they did, basically mean it came out completely even. And with how incredibly even this movie came out, it halted a lot of people's careers that were involved with it for a long time. Uh, even Carpenter, he says, like, if people would have attached onto it like they do now, back then, my career would have been completely different. Uh, most of the cast in it, except for Kurt Russell, because he was the big star. Uh, he was really the only big star attached to it. Besides Wilford Brimley, but he was not really. He well, was he, on his he's way Wilford out. Wilford Brimley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even Carpenter says, like, Wilford Brimley sure is a person. <laughs> <laughs> like, Kurt Russell's career was still fine after that. It's still doing fine today. But there were other actors in it that are real big now that 
four or five years later, they just still didn't get a role because people saw this and it didn't hurt them, but it didn't help. Like, it felt like it was a nothing role because critics didn't like it and it didn't do well in the box office. Uh, I think history has shown that critics were wrong on this one. E. Wow. <laughs> I think they're wrong a lot. Yeah, I did too, but Jariah disagreed with me. I think they are wrong sometimes. Jariah's <laughs> original <laughs> statement was critics aren't wrong. And I brought up the new Ghostbusters. They was like, no, they didn't like that until he looked it up. And yes, they in fact said that was a good a movie. A critic is just someone else's opinion right. in the end. So yeah. it does. they're just more informed on whatever movies, I guess. Yeah, they're they're just, movie connoisseurs, so they think their opinion is entitled yeah, to this. It's like... It's like a food reviewer, basically. Yeah, they're probably going to tell you that your random person's hamburger isn't the best. But who cares if you like the hamburger? Oh, okay, fair. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just just going to keep doing that. See how many times Dry has to keep g- going back on his word. He's just going to keep mending the statement. That is <laughs> critics One or twice, so- critics have been correct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Critics have at least been correct once, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I guess let's get on to our uh, final thoughts here. Let's start with E. Uh, Honestly, even, like, knowing basically the plot of this movie, this movie is so amazing. Mm -hmm. There's so much in this movie that you don't get back then and you don't get now. And it is a shame that it didn't do good at the time, but although maybe that's a blessing because it meant it didn't get a sequel. <laughs> right. It yeah. definitely would have if it did well. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, there's a lot about this movie that is really impressive. And it's a movie that probably could have never been made unless it was made at that specific time, which there is something to be said about that. Yeah. So much about the production and just the way that they were willing to film it. Uh, I, I, it definitely can't be made today in the same way. I think I, I'm going to go on record. This probably is my favorite horror movie I've ever seen. I know that's not a lot. But <laughs> it's four or five now. Yeah. <laughs> but like it's top five. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's such a beautiful thing. And I said this before, there's like not anything bad about this movie. I can think of like, even the one, like there's like one thing I could say is just not that great is the intro, but that's just more of the time, really. Yeah, it's a product of its era. Yeah. And it's just amazing, and this probably will surprise her. I'm going to give this movie a 10. Damn. Mm. That's that's two classic horror movies this month that we've seen. I know. That's insane. Excuse you, three? Are you saying Monster House is not a classic <laughs> horror movie? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am saying. <laughs> cool. All right. Uh, Dion. Well. I love this movie. Um, if you like practical effects and you haven't seen this movie, you're mistaken. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the best. It might be the best practical effects, honestly, that I've seen in a movie. Actually, yeah, it might um, be. And they show so much of the monster, but it's always still good. Right. Is what I like. It doesn't lose its magic um, every time you see it. And it has all the great sci-fi and horror elements i think also and just really the suspense uh having all the dynamics between the characters and everything yeah like isaac said it's really there's nothing you can really hate on about how they did the movie how it shot the score like everything just goes together so perfectly mm-hmm. um we do like out of 10 scores here yeah Is that how we do it zero to ten i'm gonna give it 
a 9.75. All right. I don't know. I feel like I don't ever give anything a 10 out of 10, but this is pretty close. I mean, if you're just looking for a great classic movie to watch that's horror or sci-fi or whatever, or just in general. Yeah, honestly. Honestly. I don't think it's too scary where you couldn't handle it. As proof, we have E. (laughs) (laughs) And E doesn't like anything horror scary, but... He gave it a 10. Now so he's that, like two horror things. So that really should, you know, let you know that this is actually just a great movie in general. Yeah. I mean, once we got out of the realm of ghost STDs, man. <laughs> oh, right. We did watch that, didn't we? We watched, we watched It Follows. I forgot. I'll go on the record and say I also like that movie. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> no, I am, I am in the minority, apparently. <laughs> I, I acknowledge that. But it was real silly. Yeah. I could see that still. But, you know, it's good. <laughs> yeah, like I said earlier, really the only like issue is gore. Yeah. Even then, if you watch movies nowadays, you see way worse gore, I would argue. Yeah. I think we're desensitized a little bit now. Yeah. Yeah. This definitely at the time was like a holy shit. Yeah. Like what Whoa. are they doing? He you could see guts. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you have to remember, uh not E.T. Too- came right before this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And people were terrified. <laughs> They're like, oh my god, just finger glows. <laughs> Um, no like exorcist didn't come out too long before this Mm. and that was that destroyed people in theaters like destroyed lives that literally was people (laughs) fainting in theaters and like crying because they didn't know what to do now that one i don't think you could watch probably not (laughs) i don't i don't know i don't know that's a little disturbing it's a little disturbing yeah, I mean, not we have it. It's a lot disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta figure. So, like the the realm is somewhere between the thing and Midsummer. We just have to find the. Yeah, I don't know what that like... middle ground is. <laughs> not either, honestly, there's a lot in between there. <laughs> if you know, please contact us at the last one's yeah. podcast at gmail.com. and then it will be some movie no one's heard of. Okay, cool. Uh, as for me, yeah, this is a, a master class. It's really hard to do much better than this when it comes to a monster movie or just a movie that's so good at building suspense it really does take from the school of hitchcock of build suspense build suspense build suspense and then where a normal movie would release it you keep building you build it until it's unbearable for everybody involved because once you finally do get rid of the suspense you get rid of all of it at once you you blow your load basically really yeah i don't even know if i'd say this movie does that because you're st- you're still on the edge of you your seat by the end really of the movie. don't really know yeah. Yeah. at the end. Yeah, at the end, you don't know. They're not really safe. One is the thing. Both are the thing. Not are Neither. The thing. Like, you don't know. You do know they both like whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. How could you not? How yeah, that's not? the real test they should have done. They should have just handed the thing whiskey and see if it's true. Like, he's the imposter. Get him. <laughs> he's like, oh, no. Oh! <laughs> Flamethrower. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh... It really is just such an incredible movie and one that it's always shocking when somebody hasn't seen it for me because it just kind of was everywhere, even on TV. Like uh, the TV cut is uh, cut down quite a bit, honestly, because it gets rid of a lot of the gore, a lot of the language. But even that just on the suspense merits alone, I think the TV cut works pretty well still just because the point is never to see the monster and see the monster kill everything. The point is always who's the monster. Exactly. So I think it, it's, I'm, I'm going to do it. It's in 10. It's a 10. I, it's easily Carpenter's best work for me. And I love, I fucking love Halloween. Yeah. But this is just, 
it really is a masterclass in every aspect. I'll bump mine to a 9.9 then. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if you, like, this really shows how great this movie, this is the highest rated movie we've had on this podcast. It is now, actually, yeah. Usually there's a little bit of device, like, there's usually at least a 9 and two tens. This is probably the first time it's been equivocally a 10. <laughs> all a across 10 the board. everything but name. Yeah. <laughs> all across the board. Like, if if you decided to go here without watching the movie, that really should show you yeah. how much you should watch this. It's, it's worth just sitting down and popcorn or no popcorn. Just sit down and watch this movie with the lights off. Let yourself escape into it. It's great. Uh, watch awesome. it with a group of 12 people and then be really confused who's real at the end. Watch oh, it with a bunch man. of small children. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> and whichever one doesn't cry, they're obviously a monster and they're you need cl- to get rid of they're them. They're the imposter. <laughs> <laughs> watch it while playing Among Us. Get every... Ooh, get everything. really absorbed. <laughs> then it'll give you insights on how to, fa- to find the imposter. <laughs> You're like, all right, everyone, we need a blood sample. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah, well... Uh, Thank you guys. Thank you, E, for being here. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Dion. Yeah, I hope to be back for. I probably will be. You know. Yeah. I'll be back on some shows. Yeah, we yeah. have another horror one coming up. We're gonna yeah. finish out October with another big one. Gonna a nice loop for uh people that you can yeah. probably guess. Uh, the scary godmother. Yeah. Oh, uh, we've been hinting at it for months and months, yeah. so I'm glad we're finally getting to it. <laughs> uh, I, I was worried. Jirai was telling me he wasn't sure if he could handle that movie, quite frankly, but I, I think I took out some of the crazier scenes. Uh, yeah, thank you. He re-edited it for me, which yeah. is nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, E, Yo. if people want to get a hold of us, where could they do that? We have a Facebook and a Twitter, The Last Ones In and The Last Ones In Podcast, respectively, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, oof. what? Puberty. <laughs> we have, <laughs> we have, <laughs> we have an email. The last ones in podcast at gmail dot com. Once again, that is the last ones in podcast at gmail dot com. Uh, send us your things. <laughs> nice. We need to be a little more specific here because it is the internet. Uh, send us your PG rated things. <laughs> All right, uh, and I guess I'll uh, get us out of here. Yeah, we don't have a Robbie to do it. Yeah, we don't time. have a Robbie to do it. Uh, if you guys are out there protesting, please do so safely. Uh, masks, gloves, sanitizer, whatever you can, really. Just be as safe as possible out there. Get tests after you're done. That's very important. Uh, if you're not, then do what you can if you're afraid of this thing. it's It kind of sucks. COVID's sort of shitty. Do what you can. Stay home. Stay alone. Stay alive. You guys have a great week. Thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you later when we're finishing off our October stuff next week. Have a good one. See ya. Bye. Later. Check under your bed. (laughs) You need to look where you drink. I know. (laughs) It's multitasking. (laughs) Or or we need to get you a bib, one of the two. (laughs) It could be a branded bib, and that'd be cool. (laughs) <laughs> Wait, who's the brand for? The last one in. Yeah. <laughs> no one would see it. We'll sell them. In four years that's when the you only, do video. Yeah, that's the only thing we sell is just bibs. Just bibs. <laughs> Not even baby size bibs. It'd be a hot commodity. It's like man for, bibs. Yeah. It's a human being that actually likes that movie. I like Stephen King. So, I mean, I, 
I bear with it sometimes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like Jiraiya's <laughs> relationship with Stephen King, too. Yeah. a love-hate relationship with him. <laughs> the movies aren't always the best, but... Yeah. Check, check. One, two, one, two. Testing, testing. One. Hello. Oh, wait. Hello. Whoa. That was weird. Just, it, like, stopped and oh. did it all at once. Uh, testing, testing. One, two, three. I... <laughs> <laughs> Hello, governor. I'm talking once again. So he was always twisted, I guess. <laughs> You've seen an Ari Aster film, E? Oh, oh. is it Krampus? Midsummer. <laughs> <laughs>